Will we see the end of the abortion pill in the United States soon? A showdown on this issue is quickly developing in our court system. Plus, transgender activism intensifies as campus protests grow even more violent and woke companies get pushback. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, with our president, Victoria Cobb. Hello, everyone. Before we get into this week's podcast discussion with our president, Victoria, and myself, I just wanted to bring you a late-breaking news update that we got just after taping this week's episode that you're about to hear. But what happened is the United States Supreme Court announced that it's putting a temporary stay or hold on the federal court decisions up to this point involving restrictions on the abortion pill. Now, that includes the Texas court decision that got so much news as well as the uh, Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals that puts restrictions in place. And so what's happening is the Supreme Court is going to decide whether those restrictions should stay in place or not as this case continues to move forward in the court system. So we are expecting a decision from the United States Supreme Court on this any time now. So stay tuned to the FamilyFoundation.org YouTube channel as well as our playlist, uh, Speak Up Virginia. Because we are going to bring you a breakdown on all this on a video update as soon as we hear what the Supreme Court has decided to do. So stay tuned. And now we'll return to our regular programming. Um, Victoria, I just have to say, you know, sometimes I feel like we're kind of living in this Groundhog Day reality where we just live through the same headlines week after week. And I really felt that way when we're having yet another violent campus protests, except this one was just even more intense and horrifying. Yeah, I have to say, anytime somebody says Groundhog Day, I hated that movie. And I know I'm in the minority, but I had to watch it on an airplane. And when you're stuck on an airplane watching over and over the same day. So yeah, and I don't like living Groundhog Day, especially on this issue. Let's be honest. This is, it's kind of amazing. We sit there and we talk about it and then it happens again right away. And this was, I mean, to your point, yeah, this was terrible. Not that they haven't all been terrible, but Riley Gaines. Okay, so let me just start with who this is. This is a fantastic young girl, champion swimmer. So she's an NCAA qualifier, Olympic trial qualifier, and she swam for Kentucky. Long story short, um, she's known because she has been speaking out on this fairness in women's sports because she had to compete against Will Thomas, who then showed up. He had swum three years on the men's swim team at UPenn, and then he shows up as a female, Leah Thomas, Uh, and had to compete against her. And she tied him and there were all kinds of ramifications for her Olympic efforts and all these things. And so she's been really, really brave. And we've actually brought her here into Virginia to speak up on this bill. So we've, we, we love her, you know? And um, so I'm really disappointed that this is the situation when we go into college campuses. Yeah, well, this happened at San Francisco State University, where, again, you had a student group, uh, I think it was Turning Point, Turning Point again. bring her in to speak. And I just want to say, when I've been listening to Riley's description of what happened, I really feel like this was an attempt to bring physical terror. I mean, I would even say it's going toward that domestic terrorism feel, because she said, you know, they were trying to disrupt while she was speaking, but she got through her speech. But then at the end, they just rushed in. Um, They started flickering the lights on and off. Um, She suffered a couple of punches. I think one landed on her face. Um, So this was just (laughs) horrible to another level. Um, But you got to admire her courage, 
you know, when she, we, I want to show this clip um, when she's being chased, literally chased down the hall by these protesters. She still has the courage to turn and face her attackers. So let's just watch that for a minute. Yeah, I, I mean, first I have to comment on just the pure rage that you see of the people that are going after her. I mean, it's not a disagreement on issues. It's level 10 anger mm -hmm. shouting, you know, trans rights or human rights or, you know, I mean, it's just going, I mean, trans this, women are women. Trans women are women. Yeah. I mean, they kind of had a, a bunch if you watch the longer, like yeah. they just at her over and over again and, and, and yeah, mob rushing her and flickering the lights, right? Like that started with the turning the lights out, like. If lights go out, you expect terrifying. something bad to happen. That's how horror <laughs> movies go. And so, yeah, it's really bad. But what I love is that she's so brave. And she basically, she's she's done a number of interviews since this point, And she has been very clear to say, well, I think this just means I have to speak up further. She, you know, kind of went on to say, I'll take a punch from, you know, a, a right hook from Mike Tyson. She, you know, like, I'm willing to take what it takes to get this message out. Uh, in, one, in one interview, she went on to say, this just shows you why women shouldn't compete against men when men are throwing punches, you know? And she, I mean, she's just been so strong and I don't think this is going to stop her. That's what it's intended to do, right? These are always mm -hmm. intended to shut down the conservative speakers, to chill all other conservative speakers from showing up at college campuses. And I don't think this has daunted her at all. The rage is noteworthy. Where do you think that rage is coming from? That they're screaming, like out of control. Well, I mean, there's there's sort of our political environment is is one reaction to that, that our political environment has just gotten to the point where people are completely out of control with their emotions. And in fact, emotion is rewarded in our political environment. Mm -hmm. So there's that, you know, the the more intense you tell your story, the more anger mm -hmm. you have. Somehow we Not seem factual to- factual anymore. Correct. And then there's the spiritual side, which yeah, we could talk a absolutely. long time about- why, why is brokenness uh, playing out here and, and how does that turn into rage? I, I think that's kind of a, anger, longer dis yeah. a longer discussion, but um, it's, it's unfortunate that this is what we're up against simply to have real dialogue about these issues. Well, it's sad that basically now conservative speakers have to apparently expect a, fun, a punch in the face. Yeah, you better be ready now. Yeah, you better bring your security. You better, you better make a plan and, and that should not be the case. It's a sad state of things. But also, I wanted to point out in this case, again, you have this issue with administrators apparently coming down on the side of the cancel culture or the protesters. I just want to mention this vice president of student affairs at San Francisco State who sent out this email. Uh, she says she was, quote, proud of the moments when our students demonstrated the value of free speech and the right to protest peacefully. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, the only thing I can say here is I'm having these sort of 1984 flashbacks where you had the Ministry of Peace and the entire job was to keep them at war. Like it was a continuous war. We, we're calling this a peaceful protest. It's the exact opposite. And I guess that's where we're at, where um, we just say things that we want to be true and we don't care about reality, even when there's video. I mean, that's the amazing thing. We have videos of all this stuff and people can still feel comfortable saying that was a peaceful protest. Well, we obviously could spend a lot more time talking about this whole thing. It really was, as you were saying, an unhinged moment. But we've got to get into what's happening on the abortion pill in our court system. Could you bring us up to speed real quick on that? Yeah, there's been a lot of decisions and there'll probably be more. And so there's a lot of legalese, but we'll try to just kind of cut to the chase. Um, we had a medical group, the Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine, that went up against the Food and Drug Administration in a court case and basically said, look, the FDA did not approve chemical abortions in the proper manner. They didn't go through the right studies. The way that we are administering it now does not reflect the science that we know about it. And we had a judge in district court, uh, Judge Kazmierich, basically 
agreed that, yes, this did not go through the proper channels. It did not have the safety checks. And so on Good Friday, he released an opinion, and um, it was basically to um, say we're not we're not going to distribute the abortion pill anymore. It gave seven days. So it was there were seven days where they had a chance to appeal. Mm -hmm. And so then quickly thereafter, we get a decision on Wednesday after that Friday that was from the fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, and they came down with a ruling that was a little bit different. So it, it wasn't as broad as the original ruling. And it said, look, um, here's the situation. What really is problematic is the fact that we've changed the rules. So this drug was originally uh, approved like back in 2000, but it was in the later teens to, to 20, I think it was like 2016 or 20. There's had, a, there's had, they've had a number so, of changes yeah, in how they administer it. And so basically this judge came and said, that's where the real problem came. And so we're going to go back Two, we're going to back up how it has to be distributed. And so now there's, under this ruling, there's a number of just different ways that it, can, the only ways that it can be distributed. So it can't be by mail anymore, which I think is really significant. We can talk more about that. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it needs to make sure that there's actually a doctor's visit, that we're actually a doctor prescribing it, um, actually three doctor's visits. Um, so it's, they're basically saying, look, this was approved, but it has been completely done in a way that was not the intended methodology. So where are we at with this right now? Is this able to be dispensed by pharmacies? Um, yes. what, what's so, happening yeah. right now? I yeah. So you're going to go back to where you get this from a doctor. You're going to mm -hmm. have an appointment. You're going to get it from a doctor. It's not going to be a certified pharmacy. So that whole thing on Walgreens and CVS we've talked about on the show a number of times, um, that's kind of on hold. Mm -hmm. now, now, what we have to recognize is there's also this court decision that came out of Washington state and it affected 17 states. And they said they kind of issued the opposite. So they kind of said, you know, nothing that anybody else is going to do is going to affect our ability to distribute chemical abortion. Mm -hmm. That's a really dumbed down version. Thank you that the lawyers aren't on this show <laughs> yeah. because you could have gotten a much better version, but it'd be hard to understand. So anyway, so we have that ruling and it's going to go to the U.S. Supreme Court. I think it's inevitable it's going to get appealed. So this thing's going to go up and up, I suspect. Now, whether they'll take the case is a whole nother question, whether the Fifth Circuit en banc takes it first. My only point is this is not done. This is not the final chapter on this issue. But for at this moment, this, the situation is that we're we're not going to have these things mail ordered into people's homes. We're not okay. going to just pick them up at CVS and have really no interaction with medical uh, care. Yeah. And you had lawyers, people arguing, you know, against um, having the FDA, um, you know, against trying to put a bar on what the FDA did or at least force them to go back. You had people arguing against that. By saying, look, the abortion pill is like taking a Tylenol. Yeah. And so it, this kind of belies that, right? With with the appeals court is telling us to go back to these original protections. I got to say, the FDA has kind of been a hot controversial uh, <laughs> regulatory body lately. But I think if we could pull back from the abortion issue just for a second, I think everybody would agree you want this body to look at science, you want them to actually do the studies on anything that goes through them before we get it. That is the goal. That is why we have this is so that there is somebody checking to say these things are safe before they're mass consumed in um, whether it's prescription or whether it's other things that they do. Um, and of course, that came up, we know, during COVID and all the all of that. We don't want this to be a political body. And we don't want the idea that abortion is so important. We ignore science. That's that's what's been going on. And and there's just this judge is saying, like, let's make sure that the politics of abortion did not override the science of whether this is actually an, a non-harmful way of going through with abortion. It's not ibuprofen. I it mean, is I not ibuprofen. <laughs> well, 
Okay. I mean, I'll say this in the most sort of um, nondescript way. You are using a pill to take a human life within your body and expel it and not harm your body. Conceptually, that's a complicated thing. How mm-hmm. anybody can compare that to Tylenol, I have no mm-hmm. idea. There's, yeah, I mean, it's just deceptive. It's, yeah. I don't think it's even, it doesn't even pass a sniff test, even if you're pro-choice and don't agree with us on this. It's, it's, All right. How about these people that are saying that we're going to cause harm by uh, questioning the FDA's review process? And they're kind of bringing up these scare scenarios where, well, this is going to hurt basic vaccines and other things. If you allow this court precedent, what would your response be to that? Well, you got to remember, these were approved through an expedited FDA process. That expedited process is only supposed to be used in, in basically it has to meet uh, both standards, and I'm trying to remember both of them, but one of them is that this is to cure a disease. And so in order for this to have gone through this process, this sped up FDA process, you have to basically say pregnancy is equivalent to a disease. So we got a problem right from the start of why did this not go through the longer testing that most of the drugs go through? They acted like, and usually this process, the example they give, this process is typically sped up. Um, HIV was the mm-hmm. was the kind of the classic comparison is we had a, a very major situation and they thought, okay, if this drug can help this, let's speed it up because we have a real problem on our hands. Unless you view pregnancy that way, this should have never gone through that expedited process. So that's just not yeah. a fair analogy. I, I feel like that part is not getting good coverage no. in the media. Um, and also, I, I don't know if that's a really good argument. I don't think people have a high level of trust right now coming out of COVID. <laughs> no, or... this is the other thing. This is the other thing. I think the FDA is already under speculation. I think there's a lot of people who have now chased the money ties to why are these people related to the FDA also getting paid by certain pharmaceutical companies? Why are they on certain research boards? I think there's a lot of questioning just in general right now of the FDA. And so I don't think it's such a bad idea to, to just take a step back and go, is there a possibility that politics played a role in this Absolutely. in a way that was unhelpful? And I think that's important. Yes. All right. Well, as you explained, this will likely be appealed to the Supreme Court. But in the meantime, it's interesting, the reaction. We're seeing states using taxpayer money to now stockpile the abortion pill. And I've also found it interesting, some of these lawmakers that are going out there saying, oh, you can just ignore court rulings. Um Let's just listen to what AOC said on this. Which is that I believe that the Biden administration should ignore uh, this ruling. I think that we, you know, the courts have the legitimacy and they rely on the legitimacy of their rulings. And what they are currently doing is engaged in an unprecedented and dramatic erosion of the legitimacy of the courts. They, it, it is the justices themselves through the deeply partisan and unfounded nature of these rulings that are undermining their own enforcement. So you're saying the Biden administration should ignore this court, but what does that look like? What does that actually mean? You know, I think the interesting thing when it comes to a ruling is that it relies on enforcement. And it is up to the Biden administration to enforce, to choose whether or not to enforce such a ruling. Okay. (laughs) This is one of the most alarming things that I have. I mean, I guess the left says a lot of alarming things, but AOC essentially just said, don't worry about what the courts say. The president and his administration just completely ignore it. We don't like the ruling. Let's just ignore it. Um, If we get to that point where if we don't like a ruling, we just tell our president, don't enforce it. We tell our governors, don't enforce it because we don't like it. This is not to say she doesn't make any case that it's actually in some way. Um, she actually doesn't give in this interview the how she thinks it's illegitimate. She just doesn't like it. I mean, yeah. it, I mean, that's 
ignore the issue of, ab- issue of abortion and what this is about, if people start advocating that when we don't like a ruling, we just don't enforce it, we have a majorly, uh, let's just put it this way, it won't be the America that we have known. No, it won't. You'll just have each state doing what they want to do. Can you imagine the outcry if conservatives had said this, that we're just not going to enforce this decision or uh, implement this decision or abide by it because we don't like it? There have been so many decisions activist judges have issued that we have had to live under that have been without any grounding. And I hate to say it, but let's go to Roe. Roe got overturned, obviously, not grounded in the Constitution, overturned, took us 50 years. But we did, there, there weren't people out there saying just defy Roe and, you know, same-sex no. marriage. I mean, same-sex marriage. A There's yeah. a lot of things. And so... Um, it's 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 also interesting that she keeps going uh, in this interview. If you watch the whole thing, you know, she goes on to this whole thing about the bar and, you know, these judges weren't, you know, that the right is just putting in all these judges that are just ideologically driven and not even qualified. Well, the bar is a highly political entity now. And so it's it's uh, interesting that she makes it sound like this is the certifying body of what makes a great judge. And unfortunately, uh, there are all sorts of issues of politics within that entity. And so we're just in a different place. And mm. it's it's becoming alarming that yeah, the, left, mercy. the left thinks our judges yeah. are illegitimate. And, and and they're they're actually just originalists. They're people that read the Constitution and believe it for what it says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, pol- constitutional principles, not political correctness. Correct. Should be the standard well, and keep for whether mind, it's legitimate. Yeah. And ultimately what she's advocating for is not a republic, but straight democracy where the majority rule. So what she's saying is if the majority doesn't like it, we should just be able to ignore it. And that literally means majority rules. There's no minority rights. And what that's weird about that is usually the left has claimed to be the champion of minority rights. But if you actually implement a system where if the ruling isn't popular, you don't follow it. Guess what? Those are the kind of rulings that got us out from underneath slavery and things like that because they weren't popular, but they were right. Really good point. <laughs> well, I wanted to look just for a brief moment here at the broader climate on the abortion issue because I, I find it interesting that a backdrop of all this has been what happened in Wisconsin, this election of the Supreme Court justice in Wisconsin. And what's interesting on that is that you had a ton of college students turn out, apparently kind of single focused on this one issue of abortion. And they had a lot to do with this 11 point margin of victory that this very left wing abortion advocate judge won on. So I just wanted you to talk about how do we uh, defend the sanctity of human life right now in this country, considering that a lot of young people maybe are listening to all the lies out there on this subject? What do you think the path forward is? Yeah, this is a very difficult issue because on the one hand, polls were showing that the younger generation was the most pro-life generation ever, like literally because they are the ones that have actually not just um, seen the politics, but actually seen the ultrasounds. They get to see color and sound and they get to see this beautiful unborn child and they have siblings who have been aborted and all of those things have factored into the younger generation being pretty pro-life. But this is a hard thing. This is a hard moment um, because we didn't know exactly how Um, generations would react in this moment where they're being told your right to ever have an abortion is going to be taken away. And so they're 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 reacting to this idea that we could have an actual post row abortion where, you know, there isn't a right to take your unborn child. And they're 
there there is a strong reaction now wisconsin you, every election you do have to look at now this was a judge we don't have elected judges in virginia so we're kind of unfamiliar with how those kind of elections play out in our space because we actually appoint our judges but this was an election around a judge the judge ran on this issue alone i mean really tried to make it her staple which is also very abnormal because judges are not supposed to run on issues because then they're going to have to rule on them it literally um the whole thing is just not the way judicial elections have gone before. But also you have to look at the money that poured into that election. Um, our, our side was woefully underfunded. And that that does make a difference because you can lie very loudly on television and people believe it. And I think young people are being told all access to abortion is going to be cut immediately, which in most states is not the case. You just reality says it's not going to happen in Wisconsin. But also they're being told that 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 we need all access all the time every you know and and they're just believing lies because they're being shouted loudly through commercials and everything else but you mentioned you did see some polling that um, more Americans are against just having flat out mail order. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's been CRC uh, Research Center did some polling and it actually shows uh, about 75 percent of Americans absolutely don't think um, that we should mail order abortion drugs. They just they understand the gravity of the situation. And anybody I mean, I think I've mentioned this before, but anybody that's ever seen that movie Unplanned and looked at an actual scenario where someone has had a chemical abortion or knows somebody that has had it, they don't, they're not being given all the information. And it is a horrifying experience to have an abortion alone in your home with no medical care. Okay. So we just need to be persistent and moving forward, um, not uh, failing or lacking courage to speak up on these issues. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. believe that the truth will win out. People are seeing the unborn child. I'll tell you, the more people that experience a chemical abortion, the more they're going to be opposed to a chemical abortion. Um, it is not an experience that people want to go through. And I just think that will ultimately become more of a story. Mm -hmm. It's not yet because it can't get yeah. out. But I'm telling you, it's a it's a travesty. And people... Um, are eventually going to understand this as they've been on the wrong side of this issue for decades. But we're coming out from 50 years of legalized abortion. That's that's not going to be overturned overnight in people's minds. Our minds and our hearts have to catch up. So when the law gets out in front of the minds and hearts, sometimes there's a backlash. So that this is the reality of where we are is people are sorting this through, trying to grapple with what does it look like if America doesn't have legal abortion. And they're trying to work through what are the truths around this issue. I, th I think ultimately we're going to find that, that people are going to really be horrified that they were ever on the side of abortion. I think it will absolutely look like slavery, but it's just not today. We're, we're in the middle of the chaos, not on the victory side where everybody kind of understands the issue. Well, it's that time again. Time for our Inconceivable Moments Award. This is where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! All right, I just want to start this segment with a question. What is up with these woke companies that are saying they're trying to celebrate or reach more women by promoting biological men identifying as trans. I'm not really sure I get the marketing strategy or the logic because it seems to me like it does more to devalue biological women. You'd think. Um, yeah, okay, let's just start with, we got to go with Hershey. We got to talk about, so Hershey's decided that they were going to celebrate International Women's Day <laughs> by putting a biological male identifying as a female, uh, as a trans, I mean, they're a transgender person yeah. on a candy wrapper. So that was one which I would hope. 
people were offended by. I just it's amazing to me and you know that we have trans individuals capturing women's celebrations. Um I I yeah. yes, to your point it should be a little uh, shocking. But then there's this whole okay, so the, the the next one that I think is the big outrage right now is that uh, Bud Light basically Anheuser-Busch basically went down the same road and what they've done is they took someone Bill Dil- Mulvaney who's a I guess a TikTok star basically and they have put uh him on their cans and in their commercials. And so we now have this transgender as the as the main star of of the marketing for for Budweiser. Another biological man identified as a female, right? Is yeah. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I, there's been pushback, though, which is interesting. And I, I mean, I can't get I mean, the can is one thing, but the commercials where, you know, he as a she looking like Audrey Hepburn, I just it's, yeah. it's beyond me. And he also stars in, in Nike sports bra commercials, oh. which bother me. I mean, I didn't know that advertise that that I mean, I hate to mention it, but that, that's a product that really is only available to actual that needs women. to belong to women. You'd think you. you'd think out of all the products in the world, that would be a woman advertising for a woman and why women aren't upset that their acting roles are, are going to men. I don't yeah, understand. Good point. <laughs> well, there was some pushback from several celebrities on this. And then also it looks like there's, you know, they're having economic uh, repercussions. I saw that there were some Clydesdale horse promotional events that were canceled. I love those Clydesdale horses. So um, I don't, I really hate to see this woke stuff replacing adorable, beautiful horse. You can still probably go to Bush Gardens over in Williamsburg okay. and like visit the the Clydesdales. But yes, I agree that that is a much more appropriate spokes figure, much more interesting, more appeals to more people and so forth. Now, I What's also interesting is, you know, there have been these articles that say some of the top execs like didn't know they were broadsided mm-hmm. by this. I, I don't believe that. Just, I just don't believe that. But then you got the VP of marketing who basically it's a female. And she basically said, look, I had to change the reputation of this beer. Like the marketing was, I, I guess, for frat, frat boys and that kind of thing. And I was trying to push it into another audience, but yeah. I don't really know what she achieved. Yeah, I would like your thoughts on what are they trying to do? You know, you've seen that they're, they've lost at least some profits from this. So what is the gain? What is the calculation? What's motivating them to risk alienating a bunch of their audience, women, um, their core audience or consumer base? What do you think their calculation is? Well, I think, first of all, I think a lot of times these companies just think, oh, I'm only isolating far right wing evangelical conservatives, which I, I think they just toss that out. They think, oh, that doesn't matter. You know, like, who cares if, if I isolate against, you know, they're not, if they don't like my commercials, because they're probably not the big beer drinkers, to be fair, on this product. That's probably like if you're going to. But I think they completely miscalculate that they isolate a lot more people than that. First of all, there's a lot of mainstream people that don't agree on on, on constantly pushing this LGBT agenda and these people in every commercial and every marketing scheme. So I think they isolate a lot more. But I think they're actually playing a a corporate game that's bigger than this. And it's hard to get into the whole thing. But this ESG rating system that is out there happening for companies and part of part of it is social. It is how woke are you? And that actually impacts the uh, sort of rating of your company and how people view your company. I think they're actually playing a game they think is an economic win. And I'm glad, actually, that they discovered that you isolated so many people, your stock actually, you know, they're saying somewhere between four and six billion dollar loss from this partnership. Who Mm -hmm. knows exactly what it is? But the point is, um, I'm glad to see that when they're making these calculations that they're finding out that they're losing. Yeah. Well, I think a theme for this entire show today has been the importance of speaking up. Us speaking up as consumers 
um, to counter that higher level kind of attempt at woke economy pressures. Um, us speaking up as women sharing our stories, uh, women getting their stories out there, especially when it comes to the abortion issue. It is so powerful and we can't keep, you know, we've got to keep doing that, not give up doing that. Um, but back to this inconceivable, I guess this means we're going to have to give this week's inconceivable award to Hershey, Bud Light, Nike, these companies for reminding us that as a society, we apparently still don't know what a biological woman is. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube playlist. Just look for the Speak Up Virginia playlist and share it with friends. And remember, we are stronger when we speak together. See you next time. Thank you.